Hello, I'm Christian, and welcome to the Jamar International Podcast, where we talk about effective collaboration, influence, and leadership in an increasingly complex world. My interview partner is Dr. Dirk Schlimm. Dirk is an international leadership expert and the author of Influencing Powerful People. The purpose of this podcast is to share ideas and stimulate discussion, and it does not constitute professional advice of any kind. If such advice is needed, the services of a competent professional should be sought. The speakers, hosts, and Gemmar International Incorporated are not to be held responsible for any use, misuse, or reuse of the content. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. This week, we're discussing an essential topic for any person in truly any profession. We are talking about working smarter. We have all heard the saying that we should work smarter, not harder. But of course, the question that follows that is, how exactly do we do that? Dirk, why is this such an important topic? Yeah, Christian, I think it's really a hugely important topic and, and one that I actually do think about uh, a lot. It, it comes up a lot in, in, in conversation. And, and early in my career, I asked actually a senior manager what it would take to secure, uh, succeed in the job that I had just started and what was the secret to success, so to speak. And uh, they said, come early and stay late. Uh, and now, especially if you have a nine to five job or even an eight to six job, that's that's good advice. It's good not to saunter you know, into the office, Starbucks coffee in hand, power up your computer and then start strolling through emails. And now you're 50, 20 minutes into your workday um, already. Discipline is a is a is a good thing. And you want to be ready to go when your workplace starts. But inevitably, this will only take you so far. It, it may be that you have other responsibilities that don't allow you to come in that much earlier or that uh, stay that much later. Or, I mean, you're working in an industry that is known for punishing hours like investment banking or or something similar. And, and then you have to work smarter. And in some instances, it's almost a matter of job survival. Wow, survival. That sounds very serious indeed. So, how do we work smarter? I mean, just thinking about it now, I don't think anyone out there would say they intentionally work not smart or dumb for that matter. What's going on here? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. In fact, I hate that sometimes when the boss pronounces, you must work smarter. The da, if I, if I knew how to work smarter, I would be doing it already. Exactly. Exactly. That, I think that's what a lot of people would be thinking, or a lot of people might even be saying to their boss. So where do we get these ideas? Are we equipped with any resources? Are we thinking about different things we can employ? I know that as we were planning this episode, you shared with me that the inspiration for this topic today actually came from a book you recently read. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, there are actually a number of very good books that talk about uh, working smarter. And one of the best ones I have read is a book called Great at Work, uh, written by Morton Hansen. And, and the reason why I think this one is a particularly good resource, it's based on extensive research and, and really talking to a lot of people. I think he talked to, to 5,000 different people wow. uh, what it takes to, to be great at work. I think it's a great title, title for a book and 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 professor hansen has has put this into a really compelling compelling narrative 
Okay, great artwork by Morton Hansen. That sounds like a must read. So what I'll do, in addition to your blog on the topic being in the show notes down below, I'll make sure everyone listening that a link to that book will be there as well, in case you're interested in picking it up and reading a copy for yourself. But Dirk, as many people listening now are here for, we are definitely wanting to hear your thoughts on this topic. And based on this question, this idea of working smarter, I have three questions for you. And to just dive in here, what is our starting point for working smarter? Yeah, I think the starting point is to understand the value of, of your work. And, and so if in, in most jobs, you have some sort of job description, you will have certain responsibilities, there will be expected outcomes. And we should start by assuming that doing our job well and working smart is to deliver what we need to deliver because we are asked to do things that add value to uh, to our company. But then sometimes, and this is this is uh, uh, Professor Hansen's insight here. Sometimes we do things that don't add value. And, and a typical example is a report or a regular meeting that was instituted at some point, but now we don't need the report anymore, or we don't need the meeting anymore. It just, it just doesn't add value. So, so asking periodically who benefits from what I do and really breaking it down in different tasks, well, who benefits from the, the tasks that I do, especially if they're recurring tasks, is a really good practice. And just to give you one example, I, I recently canceled a, a regular meeting that I'm attended and um, but it was still some some value to it. To it, but I canceled the meeting. Uh, I gave the meeting then a, a different title and 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 purpose. And now I ask people, hey, who wants to come uh, to the meeting? So people wouldn't feel badly if they didn't want to come because they wouldn't be adding value anymore. And and as a result, quite a few bowed out and that was good for them. They can now do other things. But then we ended up with a smaller group. And we got to discuss uh, things a lot more in depth with a smaller group. And there's some people in the group who speak uh, English as a second language. They sometimes get drowned out. We don't hear their ideas. And, and so just this week, we had a you know, great meeting with a smaller group. Uh, we had somebody from Europe really making a, a fantastic contribution. And so we're adding value now where we didn't add value before. Dirk, that's a great start. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that example makes it uh, makes it pretty vivid how just thinking about something and perhaps even changing a name of something, allowing people to speak, share their minds is a good example of working smarter. But is there anything else you want to add there? Yeah, I, I really think we need to sometimes think about value a bit harder. And it really goes at the heart of who benefits from our work and how do they benefit. So, for example, again, keep it practical. Uh, some years ago, I was uh, looking to uh, hire legal counsel to, to provide information on a idea of market entry into, into China. So what are the barriers for entry? What's the regulatory environment? What corporate structures do people use? What are the intellectual property risks? And so on. And, and I went out and I got quotes from three law firms. And it was amazing that, that one quote was a lot less costly than the, than, than the other two. Why is that? Yeah, that, so, so what happened is that, that two of them offered a research memo. And it's in fact what I, uh, what I asked for. And so they would go through all the issues based on the type of business uh, that, 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 that we were in. And they would maybe spend 20, 30 hours 
uh, on producing 10 or so pages uh, that's tailored again to, to our industry. You wouldn't give the client an, an off the shelf guide to doing business in China. You make, have to make it real to the industry they're in. Um, but one of them, instead of offering the, the 10 page memo, uh, he offered a two hour conversation where he provided a quick overview of, of what's going on and just then just invited us to ask questions. And, and after the two hours, uh, because we ended up going with his proposals, we actually had a pretty good sense uh, that there were some serious obstacles we had to consider. And that added more value than reading a 10 page uh, memo because we got some real, uh, real time insight. And we were impressed with how this lawyer helped us and you know, added a lot of value and, and kept the cost low. And, and that was really a difference, somebody approaching, uh, in this case, their client differently from, from, from other people and adding more value and doing so in a lot less time. And in this case, at a lot less cost. Okay, Dirk, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that very practical example where I think we see the principle at play quite clearly, but thinking about value and understanding and seeing value in your work, let me ask you a quick follow-up. I think the reality is that many people don't love their work. Some people actually hate their jobs. What does a person do when they don't see the value of their work? Is this an issue of shifting perspective or are we dead in our tracks in that case? Yeah, question. Great, great question. And and sometimes work is called work for 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 a reason. There's this idea out there, you know, do what you love, and you don't have to work a day in your life. And that may be true for some people, but but for some of us, we we work because we we, we have to work, and it, it's not always uh, fun. And and so so I think it makes sense to periodically look at your job, but but look at it realistically. Yeah, everybody would love to be maybe a movie star or a football pro, but just not realistic. And so you ask yourself what are you good at what are people paying you for and then yeah what do you what do you love what things do you notice come come easy come easy to you um and i mean you're are you good at it but will people pay you for example i love singing karaoke but i'm not good at it and certainly people won't pay me for it so so that's that's really really stupid so 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 take take an, an inventory and and see how you can add add more value but but also you can give your job that you're in sometimes more meaning. So let me maybe stick with the lawyer example and you're a lawyer who does wills uh, for, for people. And so you can just fill in the form, set up maybe a trust and other structure, and you can do this very efficiently uh, for, for your clients and, and, and that's value. Or you can ask your client, hey, tell about your kids. What are your hopes? What are your aspirations? What are your concerns with, with, with one kid over the other kids? And so you become a, a trusted advisor. You really understand you know, their, their concerns. And then you only paper it over, so to speak, afterwards. And this is more rewarding for some people. And it will add more value to some clients. And they will be happy to pay for it. So, so what's the value? Efficient, transactional. That may be what some people are looking for, but other ones are looking for somebody who's more relational, more supportive, and they're willing uh, to pay to pay for that, uh, to pay for that. And so you can see how how the same job can be done very differently. Mm. Thanks, Dirk. That's truly helpful, and that is something I think that we could see in any profession from perhaps the the everyday task in the nine to five, perhaps dealing in customer service 
or all the way up to the example of perhaps a lawyer with the biggest state they're dealing with. Some people value efficiency, and that might be a place where you find value, while others is truly being that relational and providing support in that sense. And I think that applies to any profession. Last time we talked about in my academic world, I could safely say I see that in different professors where some professors are very much on task and I see their value and they probably feel that value in getting back to emails very, very quickly, keeping things moving. Other professors want to hear more about my research, ask the questions, and they bring value in that sense in the brainstorming side, perhaps the reflective side. So I think if people think critically, any profession you find yourself, any job you're finding yourself in, there are perhaps different perspectives you could take based on your concerns, based on your aspirations, which help you maybe find a bit more value or see a bit more value that you offer. But let's move on to my second main question. At the start, I advertised, as I just said, that this advice would be for any profession. Can you give us a foundational yet general principle that would help anybody here, anybody at all, work smarter? Yeah, Christian. If I had to, if I had to pick one, and it, it one that that really features in in the, the book we're discussing here, great, great at work, and that I have really seen so often, it is relentless focus. It's focusing mm. on getting things over the line. Right? The idea of don't do a whole bunch of things uh, and get some of them uh, uh, half done, but but really focus on something and do that really, really well. Now, now, now sometimes it may seem to you like everything is important, uh, but, but again, three half things add no value or, or very little value, uh, but one thing being done really well does add a lot of value. And, and so the, the idea of focusing relentlessly would probably be the, the biggest principle I would have to mention here. Okay, Dirk, as you're saying that, that sounds, of course, really good on paper, but could you unpack that a little bit more? Do you have uh, perhaps a story or experience where you've actually seen that play out? Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, Kishman was working as a, a vice president of, of human resources for, for a global company. A big part of my responsibility was recruiting senior management, and, and those were mainly sales and, and engineering people. And, and the company had a very intense culture and some people, even senior executives were, were sometimes overwhelmed by this, this culture. And so we needed people who were good at what they did, but who, who were also resilient. Um, and whenever we hired somebody, um, that, there would be pretty soon an assessment a few months in really, what had they done and what had they accomplished? And sometimes people would have helped on various initiatives, but they didn't really have anything to point to that they could say, this is what I have done, something that would have been their signature project, or later on, I, I called it their, their claim to fame uh, project. And, and so what I mean by this is if the question was asked, hey, who is so-and-so? The answer ideally would be, yeah, that's the person who turned our operation in such and such a country around, or they opened up a critical new distribution channel, or they're the ones who brought discipline and accountability into our sales organization. So it's something very specific and very tangible and something easy to put, point out that they actually led or did or had the responsibility for. Right. And, and that's good, of course, when you want to speak of someone or yourself, it's nice to have something tangible that you did and you got it done well. But what about all the other stuff where if you're focusing on that one thing and doing it well, there must be plenty of stuff that doesn't get done then. 
Yeah, and that's 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 of course uh, the challenge. And and so first you need to be sure. And this is where those those ideas of focus and value that we discussed earlier are so are so connected. You need to pick a, a high value initiative or project or or a task. And so you need to pick something that really matters. And you may want to confirm that value depending on your context with your boss or your your peers, and that you are sure this will really help your team move forward or will help even the entire company uh, move, move, move forward. And then you start saying no to, to other things. And I know that's not always possible. But there, there you may think, okay, I'm just doing enough here to keep, to keep this going, especially if you're a player on this project on the uh, periphery, or you go to your boss and you ask, which is more important that I focus on this or help out um, help out over there. And inevitably, though, some people will be uh, unhappy. But I think that's the price you will have to pay is just don't be rude. So instead of saying, I don't have time for this, you can say, hey, I'm really tied up in preparing the presentation for the big client meeting with XYZ, XYZ. And my boss has told me that we can absolutely not lose the XYZ account. And then you really focus on this. And I mean, you really focus on the XYZ presentation and you knock it out of the park and then you have your claim to fame kind of win. So, so that's that's would be my thoughts on, uh, thought on that very, very important question, right? It's not always easy to end this. Right, Dirk, and that's very clear. And I think one piece of advice that fits here that we should take other places, not being rude, I'm sure, goes a long way in that process of saying no and focusing on that one thing. And right now I could say, thinking back to our brainstorming episode, it's good to see that that quantity quality dynamic is still at play. When it comes to brainstorming approaches to work, we really want quantity to consider. But when it comes to getting the work itself done, we need to make sure we prioritize quality. That not only helps us be great at our own work, but it also ensures that we'll be able to answer for our work or in your case, in the examples you bring up, the work of others. So now, Dirk, the final question. One thing we always like doing on this show is bringing abstract ideas and grounding them in our actual experiences. While finding value in your work and focusing on producing quality work sounds great, we all know that in life, and especially work life, things can get messy. So what can you say right now in relation to working smarter that speaks to the realities that work and real life can be so, so messy? Yeah, so, so, so Christian, uh, here I really would like to introduce a, a, a third principle, which is facing the demands of reality. We, we cannot mm -hmm. accept anything less uh, than reality in, in, in our work life, wishful thinking. Uh, uh, will not get us there. And as, as you said, the world of business is messy and the idea from books, uh, even great books, they, they, they sound great in the book, but they don't always work like that in our real work. If, if it was as easy as, hey, I read this book and then I do what it says and, and I will be great at work, then, then we would have uh, a lot less problems than we, uh, uh, than we actually uh, do. And even right now at this stage, I can hear some of our listeners already thinking, hey, Dirk, this would not work here, or you don't know my industry, or you don't know my boss. And 
and that's and that's true. And the reality is, work should give us satisfaction, uh, but it sometimes doesn't. Right? We we could be working with uh, difficult people, or uh, you know, we have to uh, put in extra hours. And I think sometimes we will have to put in extra hours if we're working on that really big project, or we may have to juggle a few too many priorities because that's what uh, reality demands of that of us at that moment. But but. If this becomes a permanent state, then we must try something, uh, something else. And and so my biggest advice here when facing reality would be don't do, uh, don't do anything rash. I've, I've personally seen a senior executive, uh, senior executive, he slammed his badge on the table and and stormed out because he was uh, fed up. And maybe that made him feel better, but it was really, uh, in, in in my estimation, it was really a stupid, uh, stupid thing thing to do. So so if you really can't value, add value where you are, or if you really can't focus and take that inventory of your skills like we discussed um, earlier. Think about what you're really good at. Think about things that come easy to you, where you have an unfair advantage, so to speak. That's where you want to focus your work. And then think about what, what companies or, or functions value uh, what, you, what you do and, and what you would in, in enjoy. And this becomes even more important mid or late career because you now have experience you can better pinpoint and explain uh, uh, explain those things and and develop a good narrative around this you know where where you have focused where you have added value and have a career discussion in your in your company you go to somebody in human resources you maybe talk to other senior leaders ask for a coffee chat meeting and say hey you know just want to think about whether i could fit better here than where i currently am right dirk that that makes a lot of sense but i'll be honest that's a, a lot of information a lot of different ways we could go perhaps you can is there a way we can drill down maybe an example or an illustration? I know in your blog, you bring up some examples and here you've brought up practical examples from your past, perhaps what, what might this look like? What might this feel like just considering all those options you raised right now? Yeah, I, I think you, you really have to work and put those three questions and put some work into it. And I, I did that at, at some point in my own career. Again, the three questions, what am I really good at? how and where do I add value and what do I enjoy doing and and really work on that and have that narrative ready um, you know people talk about the elevator speech maybe a little bit longer but have that ready then talk to people inside your companies bosses HR and see could I develop my career there that you have ideas where you want to go and then if if that doesn't work start building your network you need to talk to people outside your own company and and discuss those things with them get some feedback uh, from them you're not going asking them for a job but you're you're getting to know them you're getting feedback they're getting to know you and so you develop this this approach of of networking that if there are different opportunities that are more suitable to you you people know about you they know who you are they know what you have have done and and i think now you are facing uh, reality in the way that you are taking some action and i think taking that action will help you persevere in a difficult work context because you are taking some steps to get to a better place and you're making sure it's the right place for you and that that helps you know sticking it out where you are because you, you don't feel forever stuck here you're working on it but you're going about it in a methodical and in a planned kind of way 
Eric, that what a healthy way to end our conversation. I think as people think about those three questions that you raised, and I encourage people, go back and listen to that again. Have that narrative ready that you're thinking about. Not only would thinking about that narrative of your own journey, your own skills, your own experience, truly taking an inventory of your skills and those kinds of questions, not only will you see the value of your work or be better equipped to think about that, having that narrative might better help you focus where you are or in that difficult situation that you could really see, understand, and then respond to the demands of reality. So Dirk, we're bringing all things, all those things together. And I think as we think of value, focus, and reality, and think about how to properly approach those things in the context of our own narrative and context in terms of our own bosses and markets and uh, particular responsibilities and duties and teams, we'll really have an idea of how to approach whatever our work is with uh, a mind for working smart and working well and getting jobs done. But Dirk, there's so much more we could say. I encourage people to check out that blog post that Dirk has written. It's in the show notes down below. If you're interested, check out that book, uh, that book which was the inspiration for this episode. But most importantly, and I think I need to say it every time, please join us here next time in a couple of Mondays when we will discover and unpack another important topic that could help you in any profession, any job situation where you find yourself. But until then, we look forward to seeing you here again on the Jamor International Podcast. But for now, take care.